He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Hi, everybody. Welcome. It is Sunday. And uh, I thought we'd begin by... First of all, let me introduce my sidekick here, Doug DePiro. Psychic? Psychic, not psychic. Psycho, psychic. Yeah. Uh, He is a painter, an illustrator, and a sculptor who specializes in fine art, portraits, murals, also an inventor. Inventor? plays the drums. Oh, God. He builds cars. My mother loves me. And motorcycles. Loves me for that, too. Yep. And he is quite a guy. Anyway, it's he, an honor to be here with you. He's Dick. responsible for the music in the show, so holler at him if, if you, you don't, don't like, like it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Okay, but speaking of that, he's amassed a musical tour of Ukrainian history, and and I thought I would bring it to you. Um, it began uh, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, when Russia invaded Ukraine. And the Ukrainians, instead of caving, which everybody thought that they would, but instead standing up and being aggressive, uh, really struck back at the Russians and told them that they got to get out of there. And then the Russians invaded, and they kept pushing on with their tanks. And the Ukrainians knew that after the cold came the spring. And with the spring, it rains like hell in Ukraine. So the Russians found themselves stuck in the mud. <laughs> Stick because I'm stuck on you. I'm going to run my fingers through your long black hair. I don't think the Ukrainians much want the Russians to be stuck on them, but they sure do want them to be stuck in the road and not be able to move those tanks forward. Then, at the same time that that was going on, the Treasury Department uh, in the United States really did an incredible thing of imposing sanctions on the oligarchs who control Russia. What Putin does is he parks his money with oligarchs. He doesn't go to a bank, uh, even though he owns the bank. He gives the billion dollars here, a billion dollars there, to each of 100 men, who approximately 100, who are the oligarchs. And when he needs money, he goes to them and he says, give me the money back. I want 100 million now. I want 200 million now. So what the U.S. has done with Britain and with 39 other countries is they have imposed sanctions not just on a regime or a country, but on these individual men. So they can't access their money. They can't withdraw cash and give it to Putin. They own an apartment building in New York. Well, that's nice. And it's worth maybe uh, $100 million. That's nice. Uh, But when they go to the bank and they say, give me a loan against this building – or a mortgage and use this as collateral, they're not allowed to because the sanction stops it. Hmm. 
and when they go to when they try to sell the building, they're not allowed to because the sanction stops it. It renders them financially inert. They can't do anything. All they can do is look at the damn building, and that doesn't do Putin any good. So that has cut off the money flow to the Russian army, and the consequences are disastrous. I got holes in both of my shoes. I love While I'm walking case of the blues. Saw a dollar yesterday, but the wind blew it away. Going back to Houston, Houston. Should say going back to Kiev. I haven't eaten in about a week. I'm so hungry when I walk I squeeze. Dean Martin was my favorite out of Nobody all of them. Nobody calls me friend. It's sad the shape I'm in. Going back to Houston. So that's the new battle song of the Red Army. <laughs> yep, and the uh, army is feeling it, and the result is massive mutinies. Uh, soldiers shooting themselves in the legs so that they can't, they won't have, they won't be able to uh, be forced to attack. And uh, and just absolutely, your army is falling apart. I have a close friend, John Jordan, who really is an expert on the Russian military. Brilliant. He says that the Russian army has become a drunken mob, <laughs> uh, and that it's incapable of any really coordinated and serious offensive action. Well, the U.S. has responded with enormous military aid to Ukraine, but the one thing they won't give them is the jet aircraft that they need to contest control of the airspace. And uh, the Russians are using that airspace to bomb the hell out of Kiev and a whole lot of the cities. And we could really stop that if we sent them the jets that they need. They want MiG fighters, which is what their pilots are trained to fly, that are currently in Poland, and Poland is willing to give them to them. But Poland says to the U.S., hey, if I'm going to give up my whole air force, you got to replace it because i got to defend Poland sure, too. Of course. And uh, Biden won't do that. And they have not gotten the planes that they need. <laughs> it makes no sense. Biden and the Jets. Biden and the Jets. Yeah, we're going to call him Benny from now on for a couple more weeks. Biden is now Benny. in frustration, Putin has decided that what he's going to do is just bomb the living hell out of Ukraine, just make it into a parking lot, destroy it. And uh, it doesn't matter that he would be inheriting a parking lot rather than a country. He doesn't care. And there's increasing evidence that he's becoming psychotic, deranged, uh, that he uh, has no tether in reality and that he uh, is, is just obsessed with this to the point of being completely crazy.
Okay, so that was your musical tour of the war in Ukraine. You now know everything you need to know about it. <laughs> Just what, by the music. What is the end game of this? How does this end? Well, there's a solution to be had very easily, which is that, uh, and it's already been outlined by uh, Zelensky, the, pres- the president of Ukraine. Ukraine says when we don't want NATO membership. And NATO says, okay, we're not giving you NATO membership. And NATO then gives a security guarantee to Ukraine, uh, which is uh, which protects Ukraine. Now, NATO membership involves much more than the security guarantee. If you're a member of NATO, you have to integrate your military with NATO. You have to order their equipment. Your ammo has to be to their specifications. Your planes have to be able to fire their ammunition. The ammo and the parts and everything need to be interchangeable. And you need to spend a lot of money changing your military so it can fight in coordination with the other members of the alliance. Under this proposal, they wouldn't do that. They would have their own army, their own military. And if Russia invaded them, they would not be members of NATO, but they would have a security guarantee uh, of from the U.S., and from NATO uh, to intervene in the event of an invasion. So from their point of view, it's basically the same thing. And then you go to what do you do with these two eastern provinces, Donetsk and Luhanka. And uh, there I think that there's going to be some solution based on teaching Russian language in schools uh, in, in Ukraine and permitting the society to become truly bilingual a little bit like they did in uh, Quebec when the French wanted to to secede and became a truly bilingual society, a little bit like we've done in California with Spanish. And uh, there would be a, and under this solution, there would really be very little, if any, discrimination against Russians in the Ukraine. And by the way, the Ukrainian Russians have been very loyal to Ukraine. They haven't, there's no sabotage behind the lines against Ukrainian forces. Even though a fifth of the population of Ukraine is Russian, uh, they've been patriotic and defending against the Russian invasion. A good example of that is that out of the roughly 2 million refugees that have fled Ukraine, only about 100,000 have gone to Russia. That gives you a sense of who they're voting for, what their preference is. And uh, they're in eastern Ukraine, so going to Russia across the street, <coughs> going to Ukraine, you've got to slip through a whole country mm. that's at war. I think that's an eloquent testimony as to where their heart really lies. So what I've just said has probably offended a lot of people um, who believe that we should uh, stay out of Ukraine, who worry about it who are concerned about it leading to a wider war or the World War Three? So call me. Let's talk. Air those doubts in public. Uh, talk to me. Tell me what you think. Don't expect me to be easy on you when you call, but call. Uh, let's get this out of the shadows and into the open. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. We're talking about Ukraine now, and 
I've invited people to call in and give me your views, ask me your questions, and get those doubts out into the open. Excuse me, Dick, can I ask you a question, yeah. please? Uh, at 94, the Budapest Memorandum yeah. that was signed, someone on the show before on the judge show asked, and uh, can you okay. just talk about that? Yeah, please? I was involved Thank in you. that. Um, when the Soviet Union fell in 1991, uh, they had missiles all over the U.S., the former USSR. And many of them were in Ukraine because that was close to Europe. So actually Ukraine at the time had 2,000 nuclear warheads, 1,900. And um, that was out of a total that the USSR had of about 10,000. So it was a, almost, a, almost a fifth of their force. Wow. And the problem, it would have made Ukraine the third leading nuclear power in the world after Russia and the United States uh, with the warheads they had on their territory. And uh, so the Congress was very worried about that, and they passed a bill sponsored by Sam Nunn, the senator from Georgia, and Richard Luger, senator from Indiana. And the Nunn-Luger Act promised U.S. aid and U.S. Uh, funding for removing those missiles from the territories that Russia had given up and uh, giving them back to Russia, but the point, or destroying them, but the point is they would not make five other countries nuclear powers. And uh, President Clinton negotiated that with the president of Ukraine and with Yeltsin, who was at the time the president of Russia. And the deal called for an American security guarantee to Ukraine, uh, exactly the sort that I'm proposing now in connection with NATO, and it's and Russia and the U.S. both agreed in writing to come to the aid of Ukraine in the event it were invaded, mm. or in the event it was difficulty, and they specifically both committed to maintaining and supporting the territorial integrity of Ukraine. So we got plenty of reason for being there. Those who say we have no binding commitment to Ukraine are just wrong. There it, is. Uh, it is a very binding commitment. And in reliance on that commitment, they gave up the means to defend themselves. Um, so uh, let's go to uh, – oh, Judith called. Hey, oh, Judith. Judith from Brooklyn. How are you doing, Judith? Hey, good afternoon, guys. Um, you know what? You asked a question, Dick. How does this end? And you know what? If only I had a crystal ball, <laughs> yeah. then I could tell you. But, you know, at this point, I've got a question for you and maybe, uh, I don't know. Well, hold, um, hold the question. Let me yeah. add, answer what you just said. The oh, way really? this ends is, <laughs> is Putin runs out of dough. He goes broke. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So, Dick, hang on. Hang on. Hold your fire. At this point, <laughs> hold your fire. I love at this you're point, great. Yeah, at this point, do you th- you guys are great too? At this point, do you think either China is the one to tell uh, Hitler and Putin to cool it and get out of Ukraine, or his own Russians who tell him to retreat? And Dick, how does Putin save face, if anything? What do you think? Well, if I could program music right away, I'd ask Kevin <laughs> in there to play "Running on Empty," <laughs> and, and tanks don't run on empty. Yeah. And uh, Putin Thanks needs Putin needs money to wage this war. Well, China, uh, Dick, Dick, China's giving China's yeah, giving but, him all the money. But at this point, yeah, at but this there's, point, there's look, a limit look to what happened. It's, yeah, but Jared, Judith, there's a limit to that. Uh, China has all the money in the world, but uh, if China gets too involved in this, the risk of sanctions against China is very high. 
And of all the so countries China in the world, the power. of all the countries, Judith, let me answer. <laughs> China has China has more to lose from economic sanctions than any other country in the world. <clears throat> the United States, for so, example, only relies on foreign customers to buy 8% of its goods and services. China relies on them to buy more than a quarter of their goods and services. So if the world were to stop buying Chinese products, China would fall apart in a heartbeat. And the second problem is that what people say is our strength, China's strength vis-a-vis us is, in fact, China's weakness. Because a big part of their economy is relying on the cash flow from the $4 trillion that they have lent to us, the $4 trillion of U.S. debt that they hold. And now at an interest rate of about 4%, 3 or 4%, you're talking about $400 billion. No, you're, talk, you're talking about an interest payments of close to a trillion dollars a year. Wow. And uh, not trillion, more like about $700 billion, but a lot. And the United <laughs> States could stop paying that money. We could simply say, screw you, uh, as long as you're invading Ukraine or helping the Russians doing it, we are not paying you back. And China would say, hey. This is the new theme song of the Russian Army. (laughs) This is their tank uh, theme song. Thanks a lot. Hello? Yeah. So, So, Dick, so basically, basically... China has the power to tell Putin, we are not going to support you at this point. You yeah. made a fool of yourself. You're totally whatever. By the way, I have to also tell you, Ukrainians and Russians are married to each other and they have children. So these children are Ukrainian Russian. So the whole thing is like they don't have their heart in this, I'm sure. Yeah. And at this point, with all the casualties and, and these tanks that are stuck in the mud and these Ukrainians that drive them and the no fuel. And, and the Ukraine has done a fantastic job of defending themselves so far. And they've got very good intel, very good intel. Yep. So everything going, I mean, you know, I don't know. I think Putin, either they take him out or China says, listen, 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 Putin, enough is enough. Yeah, but That's the, it. But how does he save well, face? I want to know. I don't think he can. I, I'm not sure how he saves face. Yeah, and I'm not sure if he'll can. still be around to have a face to save yeah. at that point. Um, but... Let's talk about the China role in this. China's goal and Putin's goal is to replace NATO and the United States and Japan as the central powers in the world with a new coalition of Russia, China, and Iran. And their idea is to replace the Western hegemony that exists now with a new geopolitical system in the world based on authoritarianism, tyranny, and suppression. And uh, that's their vision of the future. And China will go there. China is not a reluctant participant. If anything, they're the cheerleader and the actual leader of that effort. The problem is that China is very vulnerable. You know, there's this old story that if you owe the bank $1,000, the bank owns you. But if you owe the bank a million dollars, you own the bank ah, uh, because the bank can't afford for you not to pay it back. Mm. Now, if we ever stop paying the Chinese back, would the rest of the world say, oh, the U.S. is defaulting, we're never going to lend them money again, we're never going to buy their bonds? I don't think so. 
I think the international community would say, well, we understand what the U.S. is doing, and until China behaves itself, we support that. And I think it'll be possible to orchestrate that. That's an and the Chinese take. can't the Chinese can't bet against that because it'll could well happen. And the and, and maybe you have a situation like Argentina had where uh they, they're not closed down for failing to de- pay their debts and for defaulting, but the rest of the world gives them a little time and a little slack. And in our case where it's not based on an inability to pay, but punishing China for intervening in Ukraine I think that that could work. Putin has made a fundamental mistake, which is that by not trying to capture Ukraine, by rapidly advancing on the ground, but instead surrounding its cities and bombing the hell out of them, he's created a well of sympathy for Ukraine around the world that has moved global public opinion decisively against the Russians. I mean, even Tucker Carlson at Fox News is now took off his Putin for president button. He did? <laughs> and, um, and, and you, Putin for president. <laughs> and the, that global public opinion would probably turn against China and against repaying that debt funny. Uh, if uh, China were to intervene in this thing on Putin's side. So I think the end game for Putin is he's broke and he's running on empty. So um, thank you, Judith. I love talking to you. So uh, let's go to um, Chris in Monroe. Hey, Chris. Hey, Dick. How are you? Good. I was wondering, if, is this the Dick Moore show or the Judith from Brooklyn show? <laughs> well, I don't mind. Doug and I don't mind. <laughs> She's great. She is. Anyway, I'm, I'm thinking about all these uh, big, you know, uh, the CIA and all these clandestine organizations. Why is it that they can't just sort of sneak these planes in one by one? Chris, because if there's, we don't exactly have a line of production for MIGs. And if the MIGs show up in the air, they know they're not American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, where are the MIGs going to have come from? Um, I don't think that. I don't think that would work. I don't think even Inspector Clouseau could get away with that one. He could. Yeah, <laughs> could try it with Cato. Or Let's go to Tony in Jersey City. Hi, Dick. Hey, Tony. Hello. Hi, Dick. Uh, how are you? Good. Uh, great show. Always enjoy your show. Listen to it every week. Thank um, you. A couple of points I'd like to make. Um, I know originally, if I remember correctly, you said that Russia wouldn't invade uh, Ukraine. Am I no, right no. That? I'm the one who said they would. From the oh, beginning, okay. I've said that. Yeah. I'm the okay, only guy so, that's been saying that. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, one thing, I think a lot of people that don't follow history don't remember, um, the Nazi blitzkriegs were the fastest conquering of nations. Yep. And it took six weeks to conquer Poland, another six weeks to conquer France. We're only a month into this. I think it's early. Well, um, I'm not... Let, let, first, let me correct the history. Um, it is true that it was six weeks before the French surrendered. But uh, France was beaten in the first week. Uh, once the French army was... Tr- once the British army was trapped with its back against Dunkirk. The, it was clear what was happening. And it was a question then of the, of the German army racing to the Mediterranean. They got halfway there and France surrendered. With Poland, um, Germany had help from the Russians. The Russians conquered half of Poland under the Nazi uh, Molotov-Rippentrop Pact. And um, 
and the Poles resisted like crazy. They fought like hell. Uh, almost 100,000 Poles died uh, opposing the German and the Russian offensive. But um, it was pretty, it was futile. This is early in the war, but Russia has a choice. It can go full blast and try to take it over in one swallow, and that's what it's trying to do. Or it can settle in for a long war of attrition, which is what it's being forced to do. And global public opinion and public opinion in Russia will not give him that luxury. Uh, They are not going to sit back and support this war when you look at photos on TV every night of these horrible things of men and women being killed. And he's just alienating the world. And the more that happens, the more companies pull out of Russia, uh, the more credit is cut off to Russia, the more people participate in this global boycott of Russia. Time is not on Putin's side. And, hey, that would be a good song. Ah, Yeah, time, time, time time is on my side. You got it, Please don't sing, Dick. Yeah, no, I won't sing. Thank you. I won't sing. Okay, we'll be back and talk more about this after the break. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Super genius. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Your girlfriend must think you're so smart. It's not on Putin's side uh, because he has chosen the path of alienating the whole world. You can say, well, they've imposed the sanctions now. What more can they do? Oh, they can do a lot more. Um, There's uh, one example is that Pepsi is still sold in Russia, but Coke is not. So Pepsi can move out and then all hell breaks loose. Or the only thing you can drink is vodka. But speaking of Coke, but, he's staying. The Coke uh, brother, he's staying in in Russia. We, uh, yeah, I just heard it this morning. But the um, we the the world the boycott of Russia can become total, and the more it cuts in, the more enormous it is. And also, I think that you're going to find a willingness on the part of the Europeans to cut back on oil and gas purchases from Russia. I think that. This is all a question of public opinion in a democracy. And the more you build up public opinion in favor of Ukraine in this war, the more Russia is undermined. When I worked with Clinton, we were in the middle of the war in Bosnia. And Clinton did not want to get involved in that. He said, this is a European problem. Leave me the hell alone. And he cursed to me constantly, said, they're trying to effing get me involved in this war. They're putting that stuff on TV because they're Europeans and they may have family there or whatever, and they're trying to promote this war. And finally, he realized that he couldn't fight it, so he joined it, and he then won the war by using American air power. And uh, it is true that the media decides what how this war is going to go. Let's go to George in Rockland. Hey, George. Good morning, Mr. Morris. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. I heard this morning on the news that uh, Russia was almost defaulting uh, because some of the money, as you know, uh, was frozen. Right. But the Fed came and and I unfroze this money and I don't understand it. No, not true, but partially true. Russia had a debt payment, an interest payment 
due to the IMF of $129 million on this past Wednesday. And they came to them and they said, we don't have the gold or we don't have the dollars. Can we pay it in rubles? And <laughs> rubles. the IMF said, rubles? This is monopoly money. <laughs> monopoly I mean, this money. is like play money. Yeah. Uh, rubles down 80% in its value. Might as well give them chickens. Yeah, so what are you going to do? Pay 20 cents on the dollar and call it a full payment? I don't think the guys that lent you money are going to be very happy when their interest check arrives this month. And it's one-fifth of what it should be. And we're not making up the difference. A so buck tree eighty. Russia scrounged <laughs> and they came up with the money in dollars and right. and paid it. But the fact that they couldn't was very difficult is really indicative of how serious their financial situation is. Let's go to Stu in Brooklyn, who I think has a really interesting question. Hey, Stu. Uh, Dick, did you happen to see the comment from the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church no. about— No, and I'm, my curiosity was piqued. What did he say? He said that Putin invaded Ukraine because of gay pride uh, parades, which is a reflection of the decadence that he's trying to keep from spreading to Russia. Yeah, that's that's a spiritual advisor. That is correct. And uh, that is what he says. He's originally he talked about um, about Russian power and about the Russian ideology. Then he embraced himself in nationalism and religion which I think he's read about once in a book. And it said, and he said that what I'm trying to do is to keep Western decadence away from Russia. And he specifically condemned the LGBTQ community and said they were scum and they were trying to subvert culture and subvert civilization. And he was protecting mother Russia against this corruption. Uh, It was an attempt to get nationalistic support uh, for the invasion because the Russian public is very unhappy about this, um, and I think it was a crock. But I do want to say that to those who are worried about supporting the war and to those who are vigorous in supporting gay rights, uh, the this is a <coughs> serious issue. And um, just like the women of America needed to support the war in Afghanistan to support the women in Afghanistan, the gays in America need to support this war because if Russia conquers it, you'll have uh, wholesale imprisonment and killings oh of gay God. people. Horrible. Let's go to um, Alex in Mountain View, California. Uh, hi, thank you for taking my call. I think that if uh, President Zelensky must make a concession, the only one he should make is not to join NATO because by the time that uh, – his country actually qualifies for membership. NATO will be dominated by two non-Western countries, and there'll be better uh, military organizations that that his country actually could join, like, for example, the Joint Expeditionary Force led by Great Britain. So that's my comment. What countries dominate NATO that are non-Western? I believe that uh, uh, far or in the distant future when when Ukraine could qualify for NATO, the two non-Western countries would be Turkey and the United States. And uh, We're I not a Western think... country? Yes, because we're undergoing demographic change. By the time yeah, that uh, his country qualifies for membership, yeah. uh, it okay, will well, be a very different place from what it is today. Well, first of all, it'll qualify for membership in a week if it wants it and, the, and NATO wants it. Um, and, uh, and, and secondly, the U.S. is... I assure you, a Western country. Turkey, you got a case about. 
but Turkey scarcely does not dominate NATO, certainly. Um, thanks for calling, though. Let me go to Charlie in Chester, New Jersey. Oh, uh, thank you, Dick. Well, I just had a question. Uh, if Trump wins the presidency in 2024 and pulls the America out of NATO, he's not. do you think that Putin would uh, immediately attack the eastern NATO countries? Yeah, they would, but he's not. Uh, Trump never wanted to and doesn't want to. What he insisted on doing was in giving, was in making sure the NATO countries agreed and kept their agreement to spend 2% of their economy on defense. And uh, almost no country was. Now every country is. And NATO is strong. And that's the fact that Trump built up NATO and forced them to come in line, even though they criticized the hell out of him for it, is why NATO is strong enough now uh, to stand up to Putin, which is, I think, very significant. And we have one other call about Ukraine. Let's go to Judy in Manhattan. Hey, Judy. Uh, uh, Yes, sir. About your reference to the hundred uh, oligarchs, right? Uh, the money has has uh, provided. Uh, would you also uh, tell us about those specifically not sanctioned, including the mayor of uh, Moscow? Yeah, I, I I think his days are numbered. I think we'll probably end up sanctioning him or his wife at least. Um, but you know, there's a there's a guy named Bill Browder who I have on my TV show this weekend. It actually is on at 1 o'clock today. And he invented the idea of sanctions based on an individual, going after it like an individual person, not just a country or a regime. And uh, he got it passed through Congress. The law is the Magnitsky Law. And it's based on a guy named Magnitsky, who was his lawyer, who was imprisoned, tortured, and killed by the KGB, and he wanted to be able to punish the people that did that. So he got Congress, and I helped him, to pass a bill permitting the sanctioning of individuals. And, uh, and, and that's, that's why they're going after the oligarchs. And he basically gave them a list, of, gave the Treasury Department a list of the 100 oligarchs and had said, go at it. And they've now censured, they've now imposed sanctions on about a quarter of them, and he said it's going very quickly. He thinks in two weeks they're all going to be sanctioned. That was brilliant. Which was incredible. I told him on my TV show on Newsmax that he has achieved what mankind has wanted since it became civilized, which is an end to war. Because this, this thing of this technique of sanctioning individuals individually is so potent and so effective. I liken it to back in the Middle Ages when the Pope wanted to promote world peace. He would excommunicate uh, the war makers, and everybody believed in it back then, and they believed they would all go to hell. So they all fell into line. Wars ended instantly uh, because they didn't want to be excommunicated. And in effect, what we're doing now is excommuting them, excommunicating them from the global financial system. And uh, that's just as potent as back then denying them the sacraments of the church was. And in your example on the show, when you said that uh, Sam missiles or the uh, javelin cost whatever uh, a million dollars and they put out, they kill a a hundred million dollar plane. Thanks for reminding me, Doug. 
The um, warfare has become a matter of money. Uh, the dollar is mightier than the sword. In fact, it controls the sword. And right. the uh, in World War One, the winner was the country that had the most men. And when we joined the Allies, they won. World War Two, it was who had the most planes and tanks, and the U.S. won that as well. Now it too has the most cash, because warfare has changed completely, so that the defense now has precision guided munitions (PGMs), smart bombs, which never miss. And they hit their target very, very precisely. So you can fire all day at a tank with a machine gun or with a howitzer, but it's not going to stop the tank. But fire at it with a PGM, it'll hit it right in the right space and blow it to pieces. So amazing. And the Javelin missile costs about a million dollars. The tank costs about a hundred million. Or the surface air missile uh, costs a couple of million the plane costs a couple of hundred million. Mm. So this financial exchange hobbles an aggressor. And uh, it means that you can't afford to do that because the battlefield chews up your equipment, which drains your money. And that's the state of play in war these days. And that's why these sanctions on these oligarchs are so important. Now, yesterday was a the earlier this week, Wednesday, I think it was was a very important day in world history, and I think most of us missed it. The Fed announced it was going to raise interest rates by a quarter of a point, and it announced that there would be five or six increases during the year 2022. We think that the central fact of the Biden administration is inflation. It is now. But when history is written after Biden retires from the White House, the thing that will be associated with Biden, as it is with Herbert Hoover in history, is recession. And I think that we are in for very, very tough times with the recession coming. Oh, what did you hear, my blue-eyed son? And what did you hear, my darling young one? Heard the sound of a thunder that roared out a warning. I heard the roar of a wave that could drown the whole world. And it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard rains are gonna fall. On the media these days, we get financial analysts who paint a relatively optimistic picture. And they do that for the same reason sports writers in spring training took up the chances of the baseball teams, because their job depends on reporting on them. If everybody gives up on them and nobody wants to read them, they can lose their jobs. <laughs> so the financial, analysts, That's funny. the financial analysts want to say, oh, it's worth considering what investments can be made. And if the real answer to that is run like hell the other way, you don't need to tune into them. And uh, I believe a very, 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 very 
Hard rain is about to fall. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at Priority Gold. Goldguide.com. That's PriorityGoldGuide.com. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. The clowns to the left of me and the jokers to the right did not get it that you cannot spend the amounts of money we have spent without hyping demand to a point where inflation goes completely crazy. And with that inflation, in turn, undermines the ability to produce goods or provide services, which means that supply gets truncated and prices go crazy. And that's exactly what's happening now, and it's exactly a replay of what happened in 1979, 1980. 81 and 82, until Reagan and Volcker solved it. And history is just sickeningly, sickeningly repeating itself. Obama and Biden, Obama and Trump together, that 12-year period, printed $6 trillion of cash, which was a lot, but they had to do some of it. There was the massive uh, collapse of 2008, where the banking system was imperiled, and the U.S. needed to say, hey, don't worry about your money. We're going to print every dollar you need. We're going to make sure that this doesn't fall. And then when COVID came in, Trump said, hey, we're going to hold everybody harmless so that they're not going to starve, they're not going to be thrown out of their home, the business won't close. And that cash was necessary. Then the Democrats said, hey, the bank's open. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Free Recess. Yeah, now Recess we can get in. all the money we want. Recess. No such thing as fiscal constraints anymore because those guys printed six, bit, six trillion. We're going to print six trillion, but they <laughs> didn't did take 12 doing. years to do it. Oh, they took 12 months to do it. In one year, we printed the same amount of money we printed over 12 years before. And the money we printed before, okay, the GDP rose by a lot and the ratio of the economy to the amount of currency stayed about the same, and that was okay. But now the economy is not is growing a little, but not at not six trillion a year, and and it's it's distorting everything. So with all that money out there, it's like a metaphor I've used in the past. It's like a parking garage. Uh, Obama uh, and now Biden have gone car by car in the parking garage and filled up everybody's gas tank to full. But it's raining outside and it's snowing outside and it's horrible weather. So nobody wants to go out driving. There's a lockdown in effect because of COVID. So everybody stayed indoors, stayed in the parking garage with full tanks. Then the minute the COVID was lifted and those restrictions came off, Everybody said, oh, goody, let me get in the car and go driving. We haven't been driving lately, and we want to buy a new refrigerator and a new car and a new this and a new that. And 
our everything's wearing out because we haven't been able to shop for a couple of years. And now we're all going to go out at once and get everything we want. And that means a huge traffic jam because everybody's trying to get into the same place at once and buy everything. Mm. And that traffic jam is, in effect, inflation because there's too many people chasing too few goods and the, and everybody rises raises the price partially so they can make more profit and partially just because they should. And that in turn means that the guys that are making the products descend to the store have to pay more in prices because of inflation and their gas price goes up and they can't make as much. So they don't make as many as products. Everybody wants the products and you know what's going on now. Waits to buy cars because there are no more chips and all kinds of stuff. And, and the result is that this inflation just soars. Now, nobody wants to say what I'm about to say. And nobody is saying what I'm about to say because the news is too depressing. There is only one cure for inflation, and that is recession and depression. You cannot cure this kind of inflation without a recession or a depression. And one is coming because that's the only way to cure the inflation. Basically what it is, is I have a patient whose heart is in danger because he has really high blood pressure. So what I'm going to do is take all of his blood out, kill the son of a gun. And then he doesn't have high And now he doesn't pressure. have high oh, blood pressure anymore. That's so messed up. I'm going to kill him. That's so and, messed. And maybe I'll stop right before he dies so that maybe he can recover. Give him a paddle. But in the meantime, we got rid of his high blood pressure. That's nice. And the only other way to do that, and there are two ways to do that. One is to raise taxes and the other is to raise interest rates. Nothing else sops up the money like that. And taxes, the Republicans won't go along with it. So they're going to raise interest rates. And they are going to raise it like hell. Yeah. Uh, it'll go up to uh, 15 and 20%. Wow. Nobody will buy anything on credit. Credit cards will go unused. Uh, no car loans. No mortgage loans. Uh, no, uh, no home equity loans. So that's the draining of the blood. Nothing. And with that lack of demand, the whole economy will completely implode. And just as the inflation knew no bounds, the recession will know no bounds either. And this certifiable idiot we elected as a president is absolutely putting us in that direction. And his goal was to squeeze a little more money out of the Treasury so he could appease his left-wing supporters and that they could say, oh, uh, we're helping the poor, we're doing stuff for people. What should have he done? What should, have, what should he do? How should he? What he should have it? done is what Trump did, which is be give as much as he can, help people out. We had a a tax credit, but it wasn't you know a right. complete replacement of income, and keep the balance. The economy, economic stability of the United States for the last seventy years is based on a tightrope walking. The guy who walks over the waterfall mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was that Houdini. No, and, uh, uh, the the family, uh, whatever, and, the and he's got a he's got a weight in each arm, a barbell, and it, he walks across the tightrope, mm -hmm. and if he goes this way, too much inflation, he uh, raises taxes and interest rates. If he finds himself falling the other way toward recession, he uh, cuts interest rates and cuts taxes, 
and he balances himself so he makes it across the waterfall. And there was nobody better at that than Donald Trump. He presided over tremendous economic growth and managed to achieve it with no inflation because he kept it in balance. He didn't spend too much money. He spent a lot. We got past COVID. We had no real drop in incomes as a result of COVID. We had no COVID depression. But but then Biden came in and just completely screwed it up and completely distorted it. By the way, on this station, I think every Sunday or Saturday, Larry Kudlow comes on. Yeah, it's great. Saturday, Saturday, what, 10? 10 to 1. And Larry is the genius that it's orchestrated great. this. Larry Kudlow belongs in the Economic Hall of Fame uh, with John Maynard Keynes and Adam Smith and some other guys. And uh, it's just unbelievable what he did. And he masterminded this balance. Then Biden came in and screwed it all up in a year. He just took the fringe. It was like taking only one barbell when you're trying to cross over Niagara. <laughs> and there's no way you can begin was, to fall that way. There's no way to jigger it to fall over the other side. Cudlow was the Walenda, one of the Walenda family. Walenda, was that yeah, what they yeah, were, the yeah, Walenda? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Biden did this deliberately, and wow. there is no cure for this but a recession. So fasten your seatbelts. The Fed's raising interest rates, which they have to do, because they can't let the economy just, they can't let the dollar inflate to nothing. And uh, it's going to drive the economy into a grave. That is what's coming up. You won't hear that anywhere else, but you heard it here. And uh, Don't shoot the messenger, If you can afford the phone bill, you can call and thank me. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) Or not. Okay, so... We talked about Ukraine. We talked about the central importance of getting rid of the oligarchs by cutting off their money. And uh, that is exactly what the U.S. and Britain are doing and what the rest of the world is doing. What is the end game? Putin goes broke. That's the end game. And he can't afford his army. He can't afford a war. And uh, Ukraine benefits from it and becomes free. and uh, But what's coming after that is a recession. Uh, we played the Dylan song, A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. And uh, that's what I think we're looking at. What did you hear Thank you, Mr. Morris. It's an honor. It's an honor to be your friend. Thank you. Thank you. And what did you hear, yeah. my darling? That hard rain's one. gonna fall. Heard the sound of a thunder that roared out a warning. Heard the roar. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 